This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Big vote starts today for one of the larger teachers unions. And I'm going to get to something where there's a little bit of anticipation, maybe angst about an event that comes on Wednesday, maybe to your community. But I want to start here. One o'clock is the meeting today between Doug Ford and Olivia Chow. And they know each other. They ran against each other to be mayor in 2014. This was one of the most bizarre. You know, if you thought this last mayoral by-election had its bizarre moments, and I suppose it did, 2014 was very bizarre because Rob Ford was was ill and he had been diagnosed with cancer and there was he was embattled. There was a lot of controversy surrounding him. And he tried to run for mayor again, but then he took ill and Doug Ford stepped in and kind of kind of ran as a almost a surrogate. It was he had to be out there doing the campaigning. But the other two main candidates at the time were Olivia Chow and who had been in Ottawa, obviously, and had been an MP for those years uh, for the NDP. And obviously, John Tory and John Tory sort of came out of broadcasting. He'd been there, done that. And he was when I first moved here in 2007. He was just about to get on the air and do um, an afternoon talk show. Okay, And he decided back we go into politics where he'd been before and he'd won and he'd lost and he'd had his triumphs. And he ran in 2014. And well, Tory wins, gets elected in 14 and in 18. And yes, last fall, around this time of year, about a month from now, in 2022, he left uh, Doug Ford and Olivia Chow as second and third place, respectively. And those two will meet today at one o'clock. So they've both ascended to um, pretty big gigs. Doug Ford's the premier of this province, has been for two straight majority elections, coming into his sixth year of service. And Mayor Olivia Chow is into her third month of serving as mayor, close to the fourth month as well. And it's a really important visit today. This isn't, hi, how are you? How's the family? This is almost all the pressure being on Olivia Chow to say to the province, what can we do to meet in the middle? What can we do to acquiesce? What can we do to go along to get along? And that's a really important thing. It's documented in all the papers this morning. She doesn't like the Ontario Place plan. There's some city-owned land, so the city has a little bit of leverage, but not a ton. Not a ton. What about the bill for the 2026 World Cup? This seems rather bonkers. Even to me, as a soccer fan, I love it, but I think it's nuts. It's madness that the city kicked in all on its own without any guarantee of provincial or federal money. And she wants new revenue for the city. Maybe a sales tax, maybe a share of the HST. And those are, um, how would we describe it? Those are the opening gambits for the conversations later today. The city doesn't have leverage here. And I've heard it said, and I've seen it read, that Doug Ford, ah, he could use a political win right now. Getting hammered on the green belt, getting pushed around on this. Certainly the province has to take its share of responsibility for inflation. All that happens to be accurate. But I don't think there's any onus on Doug Ford to give in on very much right now or to write blank checks to the city. And I'll tell you again, and I've told you before, I've had it told to me that if you aren't going to look inside your own house and say, we found some disparities, we're going to cut this, we're spending too much on that, we're duplicating money on this, then the province isn't going to help. Not only that. The federal government's not going to help. And I was told this back when John Tory was mayor. It's going to be tough for Tory, 
who's a veteran negotiator, veteran at being front-facing. It doesn't matter what he's been involved in. He's tackled things, and you look and you say, that guy's got presence. That guy's got gravitas. You don't have to agree with him, and you can. it can be your job to absolutely disagree with him on a policy or on a decision or on something about ideology even. But John Tory knows what he's doing and knows how to battle for things. Um, the questions will be certainly there until Olivia Chow gets results. She's never done a job like this before. It's a really important job. And I know Ford's getting hit in the polls right now. The Greenbelt scandal is a thing. There is no doubt about it. But there isn't much that he has to do to placate Olivia Chow today. I think it's fascinating. I'm glad it's happening today. We'll have all week to talk about. It's a one o'clock meeting. It's a two o'clock news conference. And I'm sure the Kelly Cotrera show will be dipping in and out of that news conference, either live or with clips. And we'll update you as the morning continues on what the plan is there. That's exciting. Let me shift to this. Uh, The Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario is going to vote today, between today and October 17th, about a strike mandate. Now, let me let me save you the suspense. They're going to vote to strike. They're going to do that. And you won't see a final result until well after October. But when I talk about there being pressure on the mayor of Toronto, I will emphasize there's pressure on the provincial government and the education minister to get deals done here, to work fastidiously, if you will. This has been a really slow bargaining pace. You know that ETFO and the OSSTF and many of the other big boards haven't had a contract since the end of the school year in 2022. And it was deemed a couple weeks ago that the OSSTF had a deal with the province, but there are elements within the OSSTF that say they'd go to binding arbitration if they couldn't come up with a contract. That's what the OSSTF agreed with. They'll say, we'll negotiate till the end of October, then it goes to an arbitrator. But there's even some in the OSSTF, including the Toronto vision of that, that does not want to do that. We'll see what happens here. Uh, The English Catholic Teachers Association will hold strike votes next month. Uh, OSSTF members have until nine days from now to vote on whether to accept this binding arbitration proposal. I still think they will. The ETFO thing is, you know, it's almost symbolic. They're going to vote um, to hold in-person strikes, and it'll be pretty close to unanimous. It'll be in the 90s, in the mid-90s, 95, 96, 97, and teachers will say, that's the hammer we have. That's the leverage we have in these particular negotiations. So that starts today, and that goes through October 17th. Speaking of uh, unions, we know last year kids were at home for school. You remember this probably well in the fall for two days, a Friday and a Monday, when QP and their early childhood educators and their classroom assistants withdrew services. And they posted a tweet yesterday about something that's happening on Wednesday. It's been written about here and there, and I think it's going to be a difficult story to avoid. Do I think some people are avoiding this story right now? I do. I do. This is going to be something called the One Million March for Children. And the concept is um, about protecting parental rights. So there's going to be a rally at Parliament Hill, city halls across the country. I actually think it's going to be quite big. And I think it's incumbent upon people, anytime people gather with that many people and they have something to say, um, there's interest. It's happening. It's on Wednesday. Uh, Toronto police has to make sure they respond and be ready for these type of things. They'll have to do that in Ottawa, London, Hamilton, and wherever you live. They'll have to be ready for this. What's the protest about? The concept that 
that gender discussions in school should be informed, that parents should be informed about those conversations. Now, there's going to be people co-opt these gatherings. There's going to be people there for the wrong reasons. And there will be there uh, people there for reasons of hate. There isn't any doubt about that. But let me read you quickly the QP Ontario tweet from yesterday that got properly ratioed. The ultra-conservative right has organized nationwide events under the pretext of protecting children. Well, their true aim is to protest the teaching of 2SLGBTQIA plus content in schools. We shall stand together, resolute in our commitment to combat lies and misinformation while championing love, care, and respect. With respect to QP Ontario, I don't doubt there will be people there to cause trouble. I don't doubt there will be people there to, you know, co-opt the, the protest. There will also be concerned parents there saying, yeah, we'd really like to know. We'd really like to be involved in the conversation. And if anything, there's some parents that do everything the right way that say, you should know. So in case there's something going wrong in a home in your school, you can get the word out. Those seem like sensible things. 77% of Ontario parents say that they should be informed to some extent. So I th- good luck to QP documenting 77% of Ontario adults as ultra conservative right. You let me know how that goes in the next couple of days. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, Shiva Siddiqui is the producer of this show, and she joins me right now. And we saw a story about females as police officers. And it's odd because I don't know what it was. I was thinking this in my head three days ago, and I didn't write a note down to say, I wonder how many Canadian cops or Toronto cops are female. But there is a story. Wendy Gillis, the reporter in the Toronto Star, went all the way down to Waco, Texas, um, and sort of checked out other North American police departments. There's a black woman police chief in Waco, Texas, and they're trying to hire more female cops, period, Sheba, but they're also trying to elevate them to positions of importance so they're not just all rank and file driving around in cars. Those are important jobs. If we have a lot of cops listening to the show, please don't stop me on the way home. But the, the idea of putting women into roles of authority in law enforcement It doesn't happen as often as it should, I would say. No, it doesn't. So as of May 2022, there are more than 16,000 women that work in Canadian Canadian police departments across our country, compared to almost 55,000 male police officers. Uh, And the thing is, after doing a little bit of research and a deep dive into this, Wendy Gillis did a great job on this Mm -hmm. article and just her research on this. Uh, Most women that go into the police force, they're usually constables and that's where they remain. So that's, I think, one hesitation for a lot of women to go in. There are several reasons why they don't want to go into the police force. Um, One being that they they stay as constables, right? They're often, they're not appointed police commissioner, chief of department, chief of detectives, or chief of patrol. In, in at the NY, in, sorry, at the N, in the NYPD's thirty six thousand uniformed officers, it's very rare to see that in their one hundred seventy five year history. One hundred seventy five years. When you hear that as a woman, and you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, of course you're going to hesitate to go, and you're going to be sitting there thinking, "I'm not going to grow. There's no growth in this for me." Is it? Do you think it's a chicken and egg thing where there aren't uh, there aren't a high number of of women in? in law enforcement and there aren't as we just said a high number of women at the top levels of law enforcement so women don't want to go in or or i don't i don't doubt there's been some sexism in the business i don't doubt that of course but do you think it's a job that if 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 all things were equal that 
that that applications would come in for for cops on a yearly basis and half would be female because I don't think that that would I don't think it's a job that that 50 percent of women would want to do compared to 50 percent of men. No, but there can be incentives. I do agree. Yeah. And I see where you're going with this, but there are several incentives. So statistics show that female police officers use less excessive force. They make fewer discretionary and race based stops. Stops, mm-hmm. and they're seen by the public to be more honest and compassionate. I have been pulled over before, and they've been equally com- <laughs> compassionate or lacking. Well, when you're yet. swearing and yelling no, at them, no, 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 your license plates expired. Um, like it's, I've I've probably been stopped a few times by a, a female officer, and they've been they've been great. Like they're just they give me the ticket, and they do exactly. They haven't hassled me any more than the than the males do. I don't give it a second. Well, thought. I'm telling you, these are stats, and there's yeah. several reasons. For example, right, they they won't advance. There's minimal room for advancement or growth for female police officers. You know that in the U.S., almost under three percent of police departments have female chiefs. Under three percent across the entire country. There's no maternity uniforms. There's no nursing rooms available for pumping, for breastfeeding, whatever it is. There's just the, the accommodation isn't there like it is for male police officers. So I absolutely understand the hesitation for a woman to go into policing. Yeah. Do you know any female uh, police officers? I know one. Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I knew two. And one was a really, really good friend of my wife's. Um, but that's that's it. It's like, it's a it's a low number. I don't actually, I don't know a ton of police officers, period, personally. Um, but but yeah, that, that number, like again, at 23% in Canada, it's not as good. It's 35% in the UK. But it's only 12% in the states. The states really has some catching up to do. But there's something about the job in the states that sort of feels very like toxic. It seems like a very difficult. I don't want to say it's a harder job to be a cop in America, but I think it's got a lot of complexities. I would agree with that. I would agree with that just because of the issues that they have yeah. and the population alone. Yeah. So being a female in that type of in any environment as a police officer, I don't. I just think it's it's not the greatest position. Yeah. It's a good read uh, by Wendy Gillis in the Toronto Star. Um, so this comes up on Saturday. We don't know anything about it when we leave on Friday, Sheba. And I think by Friday afternoon, uh, the comedian, actor, podcast host Russell Brand put out his own video to get in front of this. I mentioned earlier in the show, he did a stand-up performance last night in front of 2,000 people. So he's not running from this, but the bottom line is he's accused of rape and sexual assault uh, in a period between 2006 and 2013. And the Sunday Times uh, and a a news channel called Channel 4 has done a joint investigation on this. He denies it, says the relationships have been always consensual. And here we go. Like, there's no police charges, but we don't know where any of this goes. The two big questions would be, will there be charges? We don't know. What will happen to his career? And we don't know that either. I think the timing is interesting. I think that's coming out now. I don't know why it's specifically coming out now. A lot of people are questioning that. Uh, and he has, What do you mean by that? I, I, like, what, the questioning the timing well, of uh, well, this, this the happened, accusations. The, well, this happened years ago, right. many of these. So why now? Why is it coming out now? That's something that I, I'd love to know the answer to. I'd like to know more about that. I got you. Uh, and Katy Perry, his ex-wife, she doesn't have a lot of good things to say about him. I'm not saying this reflects on his accusations. But it's mm-hmm. just in sort of building his character, learning who he is as a person all around. Uh, so there's certain things that he did and said to her during their marriage sort of, I think it turned a lot of people off of him. 
especially a lot of women. Uh, but with these accusations, one of them was a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And she describes an incident that they had, an, an alleged incident. So this is something worth looking into. The fact that he's not hiding, I don't know if... What does that tell you, that he actually came out and did that show? Not, it doesn't tell me much because, I, as I said, Bill Cosby was, I remember him touring through Southern Ontario about yes. five years ago, and people would be outside protesting, but then you had massive fans, right, who bought tickets to see him, who yes. were like, that's my guy, you leave him alone. Like, I, what I find with Celebrity Sheba is you'll find there'll be a group that will- Diehards. Def- right, that will defend their man or their woman, no matter what the yes. act, Ellen- uh, they'll they'll defend your that person no matter what the accusations are and how much evidence there is they'll, yeah. they're they're going down with that ship yeah yeah um, we're gonna play you uh, some audio from Russell Brand and what he said over the weekend can't find audio from his show last night but I think it'd be interesting to uh, to track down this is Toronto today with Greg Brady Toronto's news today's talk six forty Toronto we join uh, right now our prof- our friend uh, professor of economics at TMU for a visit he is Eric Cam it's great to have you on uh, were you on with you were on with Roy over the weekend that's a rare weekend when you're not on the Roy Green show on a Saturday or Sunday. Well, I have to say that in honor of Rosh Hashanah, and I didn't want my wife to kill me, I thought I would take this one off. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. You take the you take the uh, the proper holidays off and, and spend the time. And I was working yesterday on Mrs. Brady's birthday. So these things do happen. These things do Maybe happen. I think we should. I think actually, if you gave me the choice, I would take working on Mrs. Brady. I don't birthday. know. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what day that is because you don't need to add another day uh, to your, uh, your your paid on your paid non working days. We're going to have a one o'clock meeting today between Doug Ford and Olivia Chow, and this is interesting, right? There were some barbs, some more from Ford. Uh, said she'd be an unmitigated disaster for the city. I guess he can say that, but I think he also saw things going quite badly for his chosen candidate, Mark Saunders. What comes up in a meeting like this? And is there any pressure on Doug Ford to acquiesce and play ball with the mayor of Toronto when she, when she asks for money and asks for things? Well, you know what? This is why I was so nervous of a child victory, to be honest. I think that he is going to stonewall her at every turn, and this could be an exceptionally long three years. I mean, this may just turn into, Greg, the ultimate experiment of negotiation. This is left versus right. This is tax increases versus no tax increases. This is supply side economics versus demand side economics. And I think the compromise will be the operative word. The stakes have never been higher. And I think you're going to hear coming out of the meeting, you'll hear all the right political things, some nuanced conversation. But I think and I fear at the end of the day, Ford is absolutely going to be backed against the wall trying to stall her higher taxes agenda. And you want to know what doesn't help? I really don't think they like each other. And I really, Greg, don't think they respect each other. That's a bad thing. Yeah. The one thing is you you can work, you can work. Well, they don't even have to work together, but the respect is everything. Okay. You got to have some kind of respect even for your adversaries. And the one thing, Eric, that I heard constantly from people who loved Olivia Chow, they said front facing, a politician walks into a room sometimes and you just sort of feel their gravitas. Doesn't matter, male, female, old, young, you can feel it with some people. And this guy said, I don't get that with Olivia Chow. And I like her and I might even vote for her. But he said she doesn't have that. And that's a problem in in one-on-one meetings. You know what? I've worked with Olivia Chow for the last few years. She's been a visiting professor at my university. I like her. I trust her. She's lovely. I didn't vote for her. And this is why I didn't vote for her, because I see nothing good coming out of the next three years. 
It's also one of those scenarios where there's a, there's so many asks, right? The idea of a share of the HST. Well, I just think Doug Ford's going to say no to that. Can we put our own sales tax in? No, you can't leverage, over leverage people. People in Toronto are spending a lot of money on a lot of different things right now. And Eric, the biggest thing is, and you know economics like nobody else, economic inefficiencies. The city has not really even played played the theatrical game of looking inside its own closet or under its own couch cushions or inside its own interior and said, oh, we can save money if we didn't spend money on this or this is being duplicated. They basically refused to do it three weeks ago. And it's transparent. This is the frustrating part. This is where you have to start. You turn over your own house's finances and you look for where you can save nickels and dimes. And I don't understand why the city is so unwilling to do that. And you know what? People had a lot of negative things to say about Rob Ford. May he rest in peace. But I remember when Rob Ford came out and said, my office expenses are zero. I don't trust the city. And people grabbed on to things like that because they said, you know what? He's not perfect. He may not be my guy. But he's trying. He's trying to save the city money. And I think his heart and his wallet are in the right place. And I think people are feeling like Olivia Chow's heart and wallet are in the wrong place. I know you've talked about um, the grocery giants being called on the carpet and they've gone and done. I think they've done a couple meetings already. I'm sure they did it in June of 22. Uh, I know they also did it in the winter. So when the prime minister says you're coming in again and we need you to have a plan, I know a lot of Canadians are looking, saying, Thanks for waking up to this. We've all felt that stress and anxiety and seen the actual price increases at the grocery store for bordering on 19, 20 months. And I've always make this point, Eric. It's not a concert. It's not a cruise. It's not a flight. It's not a new leather jacket. You have to buy food. So it hits everybody. Yeah, I agree. Listen, I would like the prices to drop quicker at the grocery store as well. And the truth is they have dropped a little bit since the height of inflation. So things are moving in the right direction. But once again, the theme of our government is it doesn't happen either fast enough or it happens too fast. The interest rate hikes were too fast. Watching prices Mm -hmm. fall at the grocery store and the gas station haven't fallen fast enough. But you know, Greg, you and I have kind of clashed on this in the past and we still respect each other, but I am never going to be an advocate for wage and price controls. Nothing good happens when you take a capitalist economy like we have and start shoving wage and price controls in there. Again, your heart, people's minds are in the right place to think we want to do it. But one day you have to pull those wage and price controls off and then all hell breaks loose like it did in the early 80s. I know France is is doing something unique here. They want the commitment from supermarkets and some consumer goods groups to they want certain products, basically the essentials subject to price cuts or there's going to be economic influence. I I agree with you. I didn't care what Galen Weston made as a bonus. I care about public money. I care about too many ed, you know VPs and admins in healthcare even the business you're in at colleges or universities but I don't care what a private a, a private CEO makes it's not my it's not my problem I don't have to shop there I don't have to do, do business with them every university every private sector every public sector business right now should be looking at the top and seeing are we top heavy do we have too many associate vice presidents you're right that's where the yeah. problem really lies but I would like people to know Two things. Number one, prices are dropping at the grocery store. No, not fast enough for Mr. and Mrs. Canadian, Mr. and Mrs. Ontarian, Mr. and Mrs. Trontonian. They are not, but they are. And number two, if you look at the price of food at a grocery store versus a restaurant, 
This may be controversial, but prices at the grocery store have fallen much further, much faster than prices at restaurants that have not at all. So one piece of advice to people, eat at home. Yeah, we're in a really bad spot with restaurants. We want to support the industry, but you go and you're like, I I don't know. Am I getting value for the dollar? It's all that. I got a blast for now, but let's chat next Monday. Same time, same place. Can't wait for Think Tank at 730. I'll be listening. Stay healthy, Greg. Thank you for that. Yeah, Eric Camp joining us. Uh, TMU economics professor joining us.